you go back into the earlier shows we had. Oh, what actually? This is a Pandora black box. You've got a black box TARDIS. Inside there is a bigger universe than the one outside. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. Hi, everyone, and welcome to In the Room with 52 Jokers Wild. Our guest this week is Dave Thomas, a multi-award winning writer, director and producer, having recent successes with Aretha and One Billion, among many others. And we were actually looking through your CV and just saw this prefer of stuff, and you've been in the industry a long, long time. And we started to realize that over most of our conversations, we've really, really just been getting into the kind of nitty gritties of film industry and stuff like that. And maybe we've just been repeating that time and time again. So basically, I suppose what we should really ask is what got you interested in producing and directing your, your current crop of scripts? Well, that's a good question. Uh, um, let's see what, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me. I but take that, as my, I am back in now. You don't know, I'll move on. <laughs> no, no, no. Go on, go on, go on. You no, no. <laughs> haven't got my first answer in yet. Hang on. No, no I don't no. know is the answer. I don't know is the answer. We're going with that. We warned you beforehand. Oh, dear. I know, um, uh, seriously, I think uh, probably um, I just love film. I mean, I absolutely love film. I always did. Um, I think it's probably because. Um, which also drives some of the stories that I've done. Um, I have a disability. So I had a physical disability from the knees down in both legs. So when I was a child, I was in and out of hospital a lot. So I was um, incapacitated from either, you know, surgery or a broken leg or getting tests done or whatever it was. Um, so I spent a lot of my, my childhood and into my teens in and out of hospital. So I was kind of like at home um, watching TV, you know, the, all of the awesome channels that we had back God there. help yeah, you yeah. in the past. Channels, I channels. know we've got some channels now, but at least <laughs> you're going back 30, 40 years. <laughs> you're going between two test screens of BBC and RTE. You're going, yeah, no <laughs> wonder you were driven to create something yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah. The BBC, you had the uh, the cat series on top of the TV. Yeah. So, you know, and then you had, my little sister was a few years younger than me. So I had to get her to hold the cat series because somebody held it. The reception was better. Yeah, <laughs> picked up a better screen. <laughs> you had all the snow effects. You know, uh, had they got the metal ones there, Dave? It'd be great. That poor cat's been traumatized all its life. Now, you know. It's picking <laughs> we, up sixty-five we, stations. We, <laughs> we used to have the radio rentals one, and we used to have to put fifty p into the slot, and oh. it always happened just as the penultimate scene was about to happen, <laughs> and you'd be fighting the dog who was barking left, right, and centre to try and get it in, and then you just get the end credits. You went, oh, I missed the end. What happened? I have to watch it again on the repeat in five months' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to watch Doctor Who on the BBC. I love Doctor Who. Yes, and uh, I'd be watching on the BBC, you know, and it'd be all the grainy stuff, you know. And it was um, the original. The first time I was watching it, it was uh, John Pertwee was the Doctor, mm -hmm. and it was his last kind of series. And then Tom Baker took over, so I'd be watching that, you know, and uh, and through all the the snowy effect on the screen, and trying to figure it out and see. And then, go, yeah, like you were saying, sometimes you would go, you just lose reception, and that was yeah. it. It took like 15 years before I saw the end of the episode. I'm going to jump back in, Dave, because I'm <laughs> remembering something here. And you'll probably like it. And it's terrible if it's not, you know, PC or appropriate. But you opened the door here. and you, You've you given me Doctor Who. <laughs> and I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm going there. Actually, if you actually ever get to the stage of going to one of our earlier episodes, there's a good 15 minute of an argument as to whether it's Stavros or Davros. So we're, we're in, in terms... Now, you might Stavros. remember the King of the Daleks. Now, I'm, I'm, you mentioned you had a disability, and if your favourite programme is Doctor Who, I'm thinking you had your parents played to turn you into a Dalek and hopefully Stavros or Davros, depending yeah. on who he was. Because you can do that <laughs> motorised number. Stavros came from Kojak. I think right, Stavros that's it. He's Lollipop Man. Lollipop <laughs> yeah. Man. Davros so is it's the other. Davros, the king Davros. of the Daleks. So <laughs> was he one of your favourite characters around that um, time? Every everybody loves a good villain, and he was yeah. a brilliant villain. He's a uh, great villain, great villain. And if you wanted a good nemesis for Doctor Who, he was yeah. he was brilliant. And yet the technology, yes, he was in this half of a of a Dalek, uh, you know, surrounded by the technology. And yeah. I looked at that, and he was able to move around without walking. Um, no, I can walk, and I walk awkwardly, but I walk. But at the time, you know, kind of when I, I couldn't walk, um, 
Uh, this has nothing to do with walking. If you could have a Stavros little <laughs> number going around, I'd be, I'd be giving up and doing it myself there now. That's, that's the, that was the, that's the, the Blart, what's your man Blart, um, all cop. You go, that was your precursor to those, to, to, to your, 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 what, segues, I think it is, yeah. if, you, if you want yeah. to call it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to stick on this for a second because my brain goes there. I am now on the Star Trek and Captain Pike. And a later episode of Captain Bike, he's in it. He's got himself one of the Daleks. You know, sir, like, uh, sir, segways. So yeah. I think, yes, I think right. you should have yeah. been, you should have been looking into getting yourself a Dalek segway. There's, there's that, that's the opportunity <laughs> you're missing here. But you know, it's a pity you can't see it. But actually, no, you can't see them. Oh, no, they're sorry, they're behind the screen. But I do have two TARDIS, and I have also the Daleks, which is right behind I knew it. I knew it. There you go. There's no way we fell is, on this subject. By is, is a TARDIS the biscuit tin type thing? Because that's what we've got. We've got well, a TARDIS. I can show you. I, have to, I can get up and get it. Yeah, let go. This is going to be fun. Okay. Now, if you get hurt here now, we would have to go over to your house and throw the body out the window because if you... <laughs> oh, there it is. Excellent. There it is. Oh, oh, now. Brilliant. Yes, we've now. got oh you that's the mug version. Okay. Yep. Comes with we've got the we've got the we've got the biscuit versions. Oh, <laughs> the, 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 brilliant, the brilliant thing about this, this is George, the real thing. This is the real we, yeah. Yeah. We oh, have oh, in another oh, hang on, if I can open it. Oh look at that, look at that. Yeah. But there's no one going to see this on on broadcast, broadcast face. So I'm going to let you know we have a mini TARDIS. They will on the videos. If you go back (laughs) into the earlier shows we had, what's fabulous? This is the Pandora black box. You've got a black box TARDIS. Inside there is a bigger universe than the one outside. Exactly. And well, I'm gonna I'm gonna advise the audience if you yeah. if you are not listen if you're just listening to look. this on yeah. you've got to go onto YouTube and watch the video yeah. at this point in the in in the show because that was some great special effects well, going on. No, the, the bit that's, some w- yeah, noise of the we're gonna forget the about the films of the past. <laughs> you've got your own TARDIS. You've passed up on the Dalek. Segway, and what we're saying is you have your own personal universe in a box in the living room, right? You can time travel anywhere in the universe. Where are you going, mate? Where are you off to? Um, out of this interview as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> First honest person we've had on the show. Yeah. And we won't even know as you're gone. We keep on going anyway, because we, we have the subject matters. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go, don't go. <laughs> Uh, but it's funny that, you know, after all these, you know, I'm actually funny that you mentioned Star Trek as well. I'm a big Star Trek fan. And literally behind me on the TV are oh, about yeah. 20 or 30 ships. Yes. Birds of Prey. Am I looking at Birds of Prey in the background? Yes. Are, yes. yes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, birds of Prey. You're going, actually, hold on a second. Now, you've, you've written, I'm going, to, I'm going to swing it back for you. You have a couple of movies. You, you know, they're, they're, they're addressing various subjects. Yeah. I am very, very disappointed. There's no shoot them up, blow them up, space time travel, <laughs> bird of prey, Dalek, multiverse. Yeah. You're going, what you could have been talking about, right? You've got all the awards. Great. What's the bird of prey Star Trek multiverse you've got in the back pocket? If I told you that, everybody will just write it down and copy it. So, yeah. <laughs> in other words, I haven't got a clue. Uh, are you going there? Are you going where that no, no man has gone before, or woman, or anything else in between? Look, in the sense of, you know what, is that, that the be, journey in the plan? Is that, that plan in the yeah, journey I mean, or journey in the plan? I was, I was reading. I would love to write for them, you know, and, and direct them. But I, I'd love to do a Star Trek. Absolutely, I'm a big, big fan. Ah, of Star Trek. there we go. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Doctor Who, <laughs> and I, and I see that um, uh, one of my favorite writers. Of uh, of all time, um, who also regenerized and reinvented Doctor Who and brought it back, yeah. um, as we know it now, uh, is, is coming back as the showrunner, uh, which is Russell T Davis, and Russell right. T Davis has, has totally gave really good new life to Doctor Who. Um, they have so- the budget. The weird thing is. They've yeah. done that with cardboard boxes back in 1972. You're going, now what yeah. we couldn't do with blue screen, green screen, it's brilliant, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, uh, the other screen, the one, the round screen, the... Uh, the oh, exactly. Yes, the, yes. the Mandalorian one, is it? And using Unreal Engine, because I'm exploring Unreal Engine, because I have a film that I'm trying to finish off, and I've suddenly realised if I use Unreal Engine, I could do all the special effects I wanted to do uh, which I couldn't do years ago with the 3D software packages that I'm doing. So, I'm yeah, back yeah. to start. I'm back to Star Trek, George, <laughs> to Star for a second, Trek. because 
Because Star Trek in our days, because we're all a little bit longer in the tooth than the current ones, was Little House in the Prairie in space. It was, they're off <laughs> out there. They're, they're, they're basically making friends and influencing people. And, and somebody, and we know the unknown newly named crew member was forced against the wall in that episode and you'd never see him again. But today we've got cannibalism, shoot him up, blow him up. It's who gets to survive an episode. It, so it seems to be much more violent and pretty much covers all subject matters. Do you prefer Little House in the Prairie, Star Trek, or you shoot him up, blow him up, aliens, watch out? I, I like, you see, I, I like both, but in Star Trek, it was Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek. It was his vision to uh, create a series, uh, like you say, a little house to Perry that was full of hope, optimism, uh, a brighter future. You know, we're going places where no one has ever been before, and therefore we're going to create a better life. And there's no poverty, and there's no discrimination, there's no no hate. So that kind of vision I liked. It it was it, it's been a bit lost in the newer movies and series of uh of star trek um but i think with the new series that's about to come on very very soon uh which is uh, strange new worlds and that's the captain yeah. pike uh story of he's on the enterprise so that's going to do, i mentioned uh, captain pike not a couple of seconds ago this is unbelievable yeah, yeah so captain- oh no that's that's what it is yeah we're looking forward to that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i didn't know i didn't know anything about that yeah. Now, I'm going to swing back and start because what's interesting here is we just had William, we mentioned in the last episode, good old Kirk done a little lap of honor of, of, of space there now last week with, with Jeff. And he, 90, the oldest astronaut with his, with his, with his get out of jail free car for, for a bus. I didn't realize your pension card could get you on the space shuttle or into space, <laughs> but he seems to pull that one off. Yeah. But, now, are we, you know, this is a worldwide, are we on a self-fulfilling prophecy on that basis for Space Shuttle, Voyager, Enterprise, and all the naming of any spaceships going forward, and Elon Musk out there? Do you get a feeling with Bitcoin, Etrum, one currency, one language, ones and zeros, it's becoming the self-fulfilling prophecy, and we're on the way to Mars? Oh, okay. I've got very mixed views on this, right? I'm probably even controversial <laughs> view on this one. Yes, yeah, so Garvin, let him finish it, okay? Let him finish right. them. I want to hear these views. <laughs> I think uh, I think you're, you're, we are heading that direction, and that's what is going to happen. Yeah, we are going to end up with the, the equivalent of the Enterprise, uh, as we see in the movies, and we are going to go to Mars and beyond. My view is that what I think that's exciting, and yes, I would love to be on the ship. I would love to see Mars. I'd love to see space. I think uh, my controversial view would be that I don't think we should be allowed to travel beyond Earth. I think we're not fit to do that because we have, we're destroying the planet that we have. And instead of looking to another planet where we can go, which will be safer maybe and better than Earth, we will just destroy it as well because that's who we are. We are a, vi- a violent race. We are a dirty race. We are polluting our own air and our own world that's going to kill us, which is pretty dumb. So I think um, as we stand today, I don't think we should be allowed to go and inhabit another planet where inevitably we'll do the same thing all over again. The conspiracy theories say, and one of the biggest questions out there is, we keep on thinking we're going to go up to another planet and see some lizard or some four-armed octopus or octopus or you know he's lost half them, whatever the case may be. But it's the fright we're gonna get is if we see what equivalent is another human. Ooh. You know, that yeah. we are the alien, we are already at the doom that we're here, that's what we did in the past, and now it's doing it's happening again. Do you have They've actually explored a few of those. I've got somebody hammering now. They've, they've actually got, they've explored those ideas in some really recent films as well, which I think where, where it turns out that the people that you thought were the protagonists were the humans turned out to be the aliens. And it was the humans that the ones that were coming, which actually follows on from the story you were talking about there, Dave, that we're not fit to go out there and do stuff because we are. And the, and the, and the interesting thing is that the rich people that are going out there at the moment <clears throat> are the ones that want to go and exploit space. And that's where the ethos has actually changed from where, the original Star Trek was that it wasn't about exploiting all these other people. It was actually trying to bring them into to harmony in some form or fashion. Mm, true, yeah. And, and, what, and our history shows 
that the the equivalent of the the Jeff Bezos and so on, uh, you know, would be the Christopher Columbus, the 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 the, uh, the water rally, the people who are actually out on these boats, uh, traveling the the universe of the seas uh, yeah. and exploring on the on uh, unknown areas and finding new new civilizations and so on, and uh, and historically, we. As a, as a race, the, we were more advanced than the places we were visiting. So we took ownership of those lands. Uh, we dominated those people, sometimes enslaved those people. Uh, and our, our, then when we didn't need them, we pushed them to one side and we just took over and then we destroyed it. You know, and that's just what we've been doing. And that's how I see the, the, the Jeff Bezos and the various people who have the, the, the power, the wealth to travel to space. It's about real estate. It's about them staking their claim on Mars and mm. saying, I own this particular property and I'm going to take this particular you know, area as, uh, as mine. And then uh, the wealthy people from here who will need to get off Earth because we're destroying it, the area will be gone or the planet will be about to blow up or something like that. Uh, they will be the ones who will be on the flight. It won't be me um, because the tickets will be outrageous to, to pay. No, no, we, we, there's actually now, this is where it's interesting. We're also on the journey in like... Uh, What's it called? Carbon, altered carbon. You altered can beam carbon. up and beam down. You're just ones and zeros. We're waves. Yeah. We're energy. So if we, in fact, we can upload ourselves into the data center in one of our many episodes before, then how we go is through ones and zeros into the matrix, into into the into that realm of the never-ending story. It's not that we go by matter. We go by mind, you know, and therefore that's how we travel. That's how we go faster than the speed of light and how we bend through universe, how we store ourselves and, and reformat ourselves. So, but the body we're in on the self-fulfilling prophecy of nanotechnology and, 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 and biology, we can grow body parts. We can repair X. We can nanoize something else. The bit that we can't is the soul and the mind. But I mean, they say that that's the journey at the moment as well. I think, again, it's, it's, it's actually Elon Musk. It's that journey to AI. It's not the AI as, so, as much as to, to be able to capture consciousness. And that the soul can then transcend multiple bodies or clones. Or <coughs> There's something interesting about that, that. That kind of concept that we're talking about there, about controlling the soul. If you look at the way that the, the social media giants are gathering data about all of us and everything, that, that we're, we're no longer private because of the invasion of what's going on, that's all about controlling individuals and controlling the spirit within the person so they conform to a certain way of doing things. And if you don't follow that, which is what we're being told is happening in China at the moment, if you don't follow those principles, basically you're punished in some form or fashion. I mean, that's really draconian. It's not free. It's gone completely against the the way of, of, of thinking that we've had up until this particular point in time. And, it, and it's it's not about controlling the earth to make it a better place. It's about controlling us so that they can still, you know, destroy the earth the way they want because they want to make as much out of it. So it's not about our own good or anything like that. And I think this idea of turning us into nanobots and digitals of ones and zeros is kind of really... Uh, losing the plot a little bit because you mentioned the soul. I always lose the plot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the soul and the spirit is something that is actually quite precious. And I don't think you can actually control it in the way that some uh, people now, think. I'm going to stop you there, George. You just hit the nail on the head. If the soul and the mind and all the rest is quite precious, precious as a value, value is monetary. And that's exactly if you go to car like Alter Carbon, it was all about controlling the soul its ability to manifest or be downloaded or uploaded into eight, like old bodies or young bodies the thing is it's a never-ending story that is your your journey on the planet it's what stories you live behind what what ones and zeros of billion and irita that represent it, your testimonial I, I, on the I planet think, i i think the falsehood there is is the belief and then you have to pay a euro actually, for it you know, yeah that, that you can control it, it by, <laughs> by it. some kind of physical being or physical yeah. thing i think i think the, the the release of the of the other is is where people should be trying to explore things more and i think that's an interesting journey to actually go which is really what um, star trek was talking about do you know what i mean tell you yeah. just trying to talk about something sorry i just want to say that yeah yeah you, you touched on something <laughs> Don't be sorry. it's another <laughs> another um uh like you know you could get really deep on this and say well then, oh yeah 
You were saying about the We'll go where no show has gone before. Don't worry. We're <laughs> yeah, going yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Could be downhill. But anyway, right. So um, we're talking about is the soul. And, you know, I would say, well, is the, how do you know there's a soul? And if there is a soul, you know, I don't know if there's a soul or not, or if I believe in there's a soul. There's a band, Soul to Soul, David well, Soul. I, I think I, he's on the song. <laughs> well, David Soul. Well, actually, it's interesting because Thomas Aquinas has actually talked about the fact that the reason why we know there's a soul is because I've got an object here that is actually dead. There's this little thing. It's dead. It's, it's inanimated. And once the soul leaves the body here, we become inanimated and we become dead in the same kind of way. So, you know, there's that physical thing no longer can function. So we, we know that when something's animated and it can have the conversation that we're having, there must be a soul in there that's connected to, to that being. In I, I'm going to take that word and go, there must be power in there, right? So electricity, power, power waves, energy, there's yeah, energy in there. Now, whether it's actually cognizant or can actually go beyond mm. and do something else, that's a whole other. So, but we'll go back to the. We might come swing it back in for a second and go. There's a. I think you wrote a book. You you made a film. You did something. I don't know how it is. We didn't watch it. Yo, know, but you know, that's ethereal. So, <laughs> just to let the audience know, I think Dave works in the film industry. We're not too sure what he does. <laughs> I'm not We're sure. Trying to remember that part. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what's the question? Is there anything you want to talk about, Dave? Now we touched on your soul, <laughs> the inanimate, the immobile. You know, like you know, start with uh, words uh, of praise with garlics. Actually, hang on, I don't leave something out, right? We talked. Hang on, let me just get this. I just want to show how much of a nerd. I can oh get. no, he's brought Star Wars oh, in. No, oh, no, look, no. you're asking for trouble. No, no, really no not Star Wars. I mean, R2 you talked D2, about things going you know. downhill. As soon as you bring <laughs> Star Wars, and it goes to. Let's bring it back to Star it's Trek. Back to the subject. So he to knows balanced. he could have got in that bloody. He could have been in the. I don't know what actor was in there. I can't remember the name. You probably do. You're saying I wanted one of these. I could have been going around the kitchen at this thing. You yeah. know, there's a bin outside. We put a couple of wheels on it. We laugh. There you go. And that's where you are. It's the same tech. It's the Segway. You've been crying out all your life for an immobilized Segways. Yeah, yeah. I want. Oh, no, I just want to be R2D2 or something like that. We all do. No, no, no. Hold on a this second. Is, this is right? what my kids are into now. And, and they're in their 30s. There's this, whatever this, um, you know, it's the, uh, the, the breachy thing. The Transformers. It's, it's, it's like a Transformer type kind of thing. But I think it's it's those big robots that the Japanese tend to have to. Well, right, uh, well George, we're back you know, to the same question here is yeah. there's a movie. You want to be R2-D2. I mean, anyone worth their salt out there is going to be, I want to be Darth Vader. Or, or they're normally going, it's the hero. That's or, because Darwin's on the I don't know who wants to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I reckon everyone wanted a cloak and want. There was, and, and the boots and the hat or the helmet. You're going, who the hell wants to be the blue-eyed kid? We all want to be Vader. Or, or do you Dave's think- wearing white. He's, he's definitely, that, yeah, we're I, wearing black. We must be on the dark side in this situation here. you got to be We've on the dark too, side. You know, the, oh, dear. You're back to Little House in the Prairie again in space. You're going, you don't want to be on that side. You want to be the punch to our winning. You know, you want to, you got the, got the great tech. They got the, they got the big Death Star. You know, got the great uniforms. You know, it looks, they look well. They dress well. They, going, they must be doing something right. Carbon, they always lose. They, they always lose. lose. Yeah. Uh, no, that's because you bloody they haven't got the force with them. They and you got the swing force. it around at the end. No way they lose in real life. No way they lose in real life. <laughs> well, actually, there's something quite interesting because one of the complaints about uh, the recent last three Star Wars is the fact that the heroes aren't heroes. They're a weak sort of people. And you don't see character development going on within each of the characters. Like the women are always seen to be superheroes and don't need to grow as a person. And that's one of the problems that's been sort of thrown at those particular films. What are your thoughts on that? How, how do you see character development in those more recent films compared to what we would have seen before, even though those, those characters were very flawed? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that a lot of the, the characters in the more recent films are not as developed as and a bit kind of uh, two-dimensional. Um, and there's, uh, one of the movies in particular was the Han Solo movie. Uh, and I remember watching it and thinking, I would have loved to have a go at that, you know, to have to write the the uh, like the origin story and uh, the the standalone Han Solo movie, and uh, because it was while there was a lot of action, all the special effects were there, you know, the wonderful special effects. It was it was lacking something, and it was lacking heart. It was lacking the uh, 
Soul. Yeah. The, the fucking the soul. soul. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Soul, yeah. Two mechanical. We're not talking Barry White here now either. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> or the commitments. <laughs> it was definitely lacking the, the soul, the David soul or some kind of soul. Uh, and I would have looked up and go, yeah, I think so. I th- and I think it was Steven Spielberg said something like um, about movies. Um, every movie today, they said, has a, a beginning and a middle and that's it. Yes. Well, you yeah. have to have the next part, you see. There's no end. You can't have an oh. end in there or you just fix up the franchise. So, yeah. I mean, you got to keep it open. Now, actually, yeah. you know, I'm going to jump back and go for a second. You would have loved to wrote that or this. There's an interesting community out there, the fanzine bunch that goes, feck you, we're writing our own, right? And yeah. they actually go off and write it and get together and do it. So you don't need permission other than, you know, there's a certain, you can go off there and write that Star Trek. Yeah. And, and, you know, just, we're saying you can write it. It may not get made. You might have a bit of trouble with the IP, but you can certainly go on the journey of going, I'm bringing these characters off the right. We're going to go off and do a little bit of this disco dancing. We're not going to go off doing, you know, do, do, do the good, bad, and the ugly over there. We, we have that. That's exactly the business you're in. It's, I'd love to write that. Yeah. Well, then let's write that. Where should they have gone? What adventures should they have had? And I think, given the tech out there today, you could probably get a community behind you that could get that up and mm. out there and actually have a better following than the real thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I've actually watched, um, I love YouTube, by the way. So I watch a lot yeah. of movies and a lot of short movies in particular. And there's a lot of fan made movies in, in Star Trek, yes. Star Wars. Um, uh, there's a few Doctor Who, which are not quite. Great, but they're you know they're, they're interesting. But the the definitely on the uh, on the Star Trek and the uh, uh, Star Wars, the, you're right because with with the green screen, with the um, uh, with the with the iMac computers like that I have, you know, the software yeah. that I can for editing and so on, uh, you can uh, you know you can put in the special effects. Yeah, and I've seen some fan made movies that are if not better than the, the Hollywood. Yeah. The, yeah. I'm reminded of one in sorry, just I don't know if this is real or imaginary now, in my own head, because I don't I can't tell the difference between that, you know, the real world and my own world. But there there was an episode or a film or some part of it, and Spock was in a cave, right? And he could have been stuck there for a while. So here's somewhere you have a dark space, you got a Vulcan that going Elvis mind, Elvis Vulcan mind, of course, and you go, you could have the whole dialogue monologue with himself with a big pair of pointy ears. We know who it is, it's a bit dark. You get a couple of eyebrows and you go, that's all you need and a torch. And you go, and he could be there for a good 90 minutes, you know, doing his Vulcan mantra. And, I, I go, think, and, and, uh, and that's all you need. What was no, he doing don't. in no. the cave for a couple you need of years? A second person. You need a second person. You need two people to have a conflict. He has a mirror, George, that will do. <laughs> that, you know. He's a mirror in the cage. <laughs> so he plays Spock two characters. Spock on Spock. That's yeah. what you want. Spock on Spock. That's it. That's it. There's a group of fans actually that oh in America. I, I can't remember what state it's in. Um, I think it's outside of New York. I think right, but I'm not 100 sure. And they built the original uh, 60s uh, Enterprise sets. Oh, Star wow. And it's a, it's exactly the same as the 60s. The, the and there's document there's videos of them. Um, fundraising and uh, with donations and so on and gradually how they build on but they have the actual 60s set of the Enterprise and what they do is they make their own fan films in that set but they also allow other people to come in and with their costumes and use the set to recreate Star Trek episodes with the original looking set. I guarantee on YouTube they're following, they're making money back to back hand uh, hand over fist on YouTube without ever leaving the Enterprise, you know, route. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, so you're going, I said, it's where we going today, you know, Jim. <laughs> Anywhere you want, Jim. Anywhere you want. It's because all here, that's the special effects. And we're, and actually, that's it. They're looking out the window or the portal or, or and they're going, right, who's, who's on the starboard bow? Oh, the Vulcans are. But I mean, you don't have to see them. You just have to go, that just sets the conversation off. And, and that's where we're going in our journey. We're doing most of it in our mind. We're doing an awful lot of dreaming the dream. We're doing a bit of talking to talk at the moment. Soon enough, we hope to walk the walk. You're walking the walk for the last while now. You've done a bunch of stuff that's getting great reviews. That you know, as we were talking to a few of our other you know people on the shows, we're saying that's the it's like the CV, that's the resume that gives me permission that I win awards, I write good stories, but that's that was the the permission to go do mm. the passion one. 
the real one, the only one that matters, the only show in town, it's the commitments again. You're going, there's one more before you go. What is it? Mm. Okay, do I have to answer that question? <laughs> uh, George will answer it for you. Go on, we don't want to let you answer it. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I mean, I think what the way I see it is that I am a dreamer. Uh, I am uh, a storyteller. Um, and that's what I ultimately am. Uh, not necessarily, say, a filmmaker or a producer or whatever, um, because I've used all different aspects of the media over 35 years or thereabouts mm. to tell a story. So that's what I've been doing every so many years. I, I, I use different types of media, whether it's radio or film or, or print or whatever it is. Um, so if I was to do the last, I mean, I, my thing is, right, as a, as a writer, or somebody who likes to create stuff, is that while I would love to write the ultimate, say, Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who series, or whatever, um, I would only do it if it has to be original uh, and it was going to be screened so that people enjoy it. Mm. So because I, I, one of my, which I didn't realize actually how much I, I enjoy when I go to film festivals and I see my, my thing on the screen and I hate looking at my stuff on, on the screen, but when I'm watching them is the, and listening is the people around go, ooh, yeah. ah, or laugh, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I get a great buzz out of that. And it's like, um, I can imagine like entertainers on stage, you know, and I'm not a, an entertainer as such. I've been, I work, I say work in the media as well, but uh, I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being on stage with a spotlight and onto that kind of thing. But I'll take that. You give it to me. You just write for me. <laughs> Off we go. You have your own spotlight. You carry your own spotlight. That's around. it. Yeah. I carry it everywhere I go, but I'm just standing yeah, in the corner it. with my own spotlight. <laughs> I don't need anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know that's that's why entertainers, I think, get is this kind of energy they get from a, from an audience. And I think that's what yeah. uh, keeps them going on stage. You know, they love that feedback from the audience. Well, I get it from sitting in an audience, and no one knows it's me that that I made this thing that they're watching. And I get pure enjoyment out of that, you know, to hear. You can't tell from the four spotlights shining on your bald head, you know. You're just there like. <laughs> and we have one in the audience now. He's a special guest. Yeah, yeah. You know, he wrote, directed, <laughs> produced and starred in this. But he's the one with the black glasses in the corner wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> I have my own drum roll on my phone. That I get up and walk into a room. <laughs> the big announcement, you know, here he is. Uh, but there's something about that that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. If I was to write something, I, I would love to write a Star Trek. If I was to, the last thing I ever wrote, if it was a, one last final project would be um, a Star Trek movie. Or, or it's City. a journey. It's a voyage of discovery. That's what you say. You're going. It's yeah. something that hasn't been written, a yeah. place that hasn't been visited. You know, and like a, like a, an epic, heroic battle of some description. You know, yeah. In so that you're sense, having, you're having to create your own universe as, yeah. as a starting point to to work out what that universe is, so that you can create multiple stories and then develop. There are no rules. You know, you're pretty much. Saying, yeah, that that becomes something interesting because once you've created the universe of where. Well, it could eventually be a TV series, and and you know they say the Star Trek universe, they say the Marvel universe. No, actually, the Marvel universe is actually old uh, mythical uh, gods coming back, you know, from the Greeks and the 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 Vikings and all that kind of stuff. So it's so it's old hat, really. It's not nothing new that's going on. And I think that's that's quite. I mean, you can pick so much from from reading older literature. I'm I'm reading. You've opened another door, George. Oh, I know, I know. But I think it's really interesting. I'm going ancient. I'm going ancient alien again. I can't help myself. Your record couple of civilizations. Plato mentioned that somewhere along the line as well. Have been wiped out. Are we the next, like a third and fourth iteration? Maybe we're Web five and six now at the moment. Versus we were already here. 70,000 years ago, something wiped us out. We had a restart. And, ah, you know, he's talking about Plato now. He's talking about Atlantis. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. but again, Atlantis, it could be the pyramids. We're finding everywhere we look now, we're finding fucking pyramids under the snow, in under the oh, water, yeah. you know, in the middle of a forest, and you know, up a mountainside. This, it's too much. Now, again, we never had technology before that can look through forests and map from the stars, looking back on the planet. It was always there in plain sight. Now we're having to come up with, we can't come up with excuses anymore to go, Asher, we couldn't get a hammer and chisel today and make that. So something went on before. Was it planted there? Was it aliens? Was it just a lost civilization on the wipeout? And now we're, we're the next iteration. What do you think? Well, you're, you're talking my language now there. Um, because I, 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 I oh, would... French. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sixth extinction. English is my first language, and I'm still struggling with that all my life. Um, but uh, no, I think um, you know the whole thing of I, I'm fascinated by the fact that there was technology definitely when you know many years ago. There's, I mean, there's a wonderful. Um, I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about. There's a wonderful carving in one of the, in the I think it's the the great the big pyramid of an Egyptian holding what looks like a light bulb. And the light bulb is illuminating the scene in front of them. This is all carved in so mm. that it shows somebody working on something. And this Egyptian's holding this big, light, massive light bulb. It's about, I'd say, 10 foot in size. And uh, there's like a cable coming out at the end of it. And that's carved into the uh, wall of the of the pyramid. You know, and so what 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 does it mean? You know, it, it's a shape like a modern day light bulb um, and it's illuminating. So it does, it's very little to misinterpret what that actually is. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and like, there's a there's another carving of uh, that's very clearly an airplane, uh, yeah, and a helicopter as well. A helicopter, yeah. So, yeah. And, and and DNA, funnily enough, and somewhere yes, else. Yes. And as you said about the pyramids themselves, I mean, you look at the how they've been cut and how they aligned, uh, aligned. Yeah, I mean, incredible, and no, no, and no gap between them. You know, uh, where they're just per- each one is block, which is I think is over a ton. Uh, I think in weight is. Uh, placed and the angles and so on it's incredible technology that you know and i think it's it's kind of more laughable to say that to dismiss the idea yes yeah yeah Uh, i'm going x-files on your ass now i'm going well it's the anunnaki as well do you believe do you (laughs) it's out there do you believe it's out there or it's here actually a couple of weeks ago actually it was about a couple of months ago now there was a bit of news, or meant to be big news coming from the Americas about the Roswells and release. Nothing happened. I think these, I don't know what the answer was in the end. But what was meant to release was we don't know. We can't fucking explain it. We don't want to try and explain mm. it. But there's but stuff out there. there. There's something <laughs> out there. And, now, and it yeah. might be done to the sea. It might be here. It might be slightly out there. But if it was out there or here, it's always been here. You know, it took that forever to get here. It sort of maybe more likely never left. What do you think? Do you think it's here? Do you think it's watching? Do you think it's taking care of us? Because if it's if it was going to kill us, <laughs> we'd be already gone. Yeah, because if it's here, it took a lot to get here. They're not coming. I think they're trying to take care of us. That's my thought at the moment. And they're releasing the information to us to bring us up to speed. That's what's happening in the last 100 years in my perception. What's your perception? Yeah, um, I, I I know what you mean about uh, that report in particular. That uh, the the uh, they looked at I think it was one hundred and forty five uh, different cases of sightings, and out of the one hundred and forty five, there was one hundred and forty four they couldn't um, confirm that there were still unknown uh, craft, and they so the yeah so the report backed up the the the, the stories from the various uh, pilots that were flying. Uh, the uh, in the military and the, and the navy actually they were flying their planes around that uh, there was uh, definitely objects uh, flying around of technology that we don't have. Uh, but what's controlling? Like in Chinese, they've got everything. You go, oh, yeah. that's it. Well, yeah. I've been watching the. I've got the DVD set of the old UFO TV, Jerry Anderson's old TV series, because uh, because we've mentioned the X Files. We're talking about all these things at the moment. And you kind of wonder, well, where did they get the research from that sort of gave the depth of knowledge that they had in those TV shows? And I was actually quite surprised how much information was actually in UFO about questioning where things had come from. The same conversation we're currently having now, which is what, now 50 years later, that we're having the same conversation that they were the characters were actually discussing on set in the shows week after week for 26 weeks, which I thought, Wow, that's amazing, <laughs> because where did they get their ideas from? You know, I mean, it came out five years after Star Trek, basically. But the ideas were permeating around in, in those shows as well, because they got out of the 72 episodes that they had. You know, and, you know, where do you think that this knowledge is actually coming from? And why do you think it's being filtered through to us now? I think there's a lot of people who already have that knowledge uh, that have been the, the gatekeepers of the knowledge, not necessarily the CIA or the FBI or whatever, but there are, I mean, I think they are involved as well, obviously, the, the, the whole yeah. stuff. But I think there are other people that, that you know, the people who work, uh, um, excuse me, the people who work um, in the, uh, the, say, the industry of, of uh, technology, 
uh, are very aware. Um, and I'm thinking there's a guy's name who uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. He's a billionaire. Um, uh, he has a company who gets a lot of the contracts from the American government. It's a uh, film. No, it's a book. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's me as name, actually, but yeah. it'll come to me in a minute. But um, it's not the Elons. It's not the Jeffs. It's not. No. It's someone else. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can see him. Yeah, but anyway, is um, David Bowie, <laughs> the man that fell to earth. Yeah. <laughs> he he's actually. I mean, he gets a lot of contracts from the from NASA and so on, and government contracts, and they make a lot of the the crafts and bits of yeah. rockets and so on and satellites. And he actually came out and said that he knew that he had the information and he wasn't holding it onto it, that the aliens are already here. He said they're under our nose, they're already around us um, and have been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's people like him who already have information are, are you know, quietly, and years ago, mm-hmm. quietly releasing and giving mm-hmm. information to various people, you know, uh, that can then formulate uh, TV series. We, we touched but, on this in another one of our shows, George, we're yeah. saying... If you're already here, lads, you gotta step up. You gotta step up and do some serious jigging, dancing, pelvic thrusting on TikTok because we won't bloody see you for the amount of other rubbish that's in front of us. So we also di- we also discussed <laughs> that they're probably shouting at us in front of our face, and we just can't see them because we haven't got the tools. Our eyes aren't sensitive enough to be able to take. Oh, in the they're, they're in front of us. It's the cops. Yeah. It's the em- emus. It's uh, <laughs> you know. It's they're there. We're going. This can't. They can't believe we're getting away with plain sight being. Whiter than white, blacker than black, full yep. makeup, studs and studs and earrings in the eyebrows, and they're going. They don't know us. They're just walking down Grafton Street here. We can actually get a couple of quid for a photograph as well while we're at it. And that's, that sounds like that's a 1950s comic strip that I once watched. You know, because the end, they can't back see us. And go. There's a. I don't know why it's uh, there. You go. It's a word. The X files. What about the Y files? Because X, Y is, you know, the chromosomes and the DNA and all the rest of it. Oh, it's yeah, very, yeah. very male chauvinistic. No, I don't know. I'm actually not very intelligent, as you can tell. Is the <laughs> X the man? Or is it the, is the X meant to be the male and the Y the female? I don't know. Is the X, X, X is male, isn't it? And then Y is female. The X, right, X is the y, male and X, Y, yeah. And X, Y is, the, yeah. Well, the Y, we're going to Y files. So why not? Why, why, why this and why that and why the other? Well, the X we know marks the spot. But if that's what got chosen, but it's the other bunch, the why lot, why we didn't do this and why we should do that. Uh, you know, that that's where I, we're, actually they're, they're the stories you're writing now. It's the it's we can now write stories that can never be done before because we don't need the same budget and there's different tech. And it's now time that you can actually you can get your own audience, your own following. You can publish it yourself. So the, actually, I think what's happened is the why not is now more, should be more prevalent, and why not do it yourself? There's another program from the 60s, 70s, why not turn off the TV and do it yourself and just yeah. go out there and do it? Yeah. I remember that one. I used to like that, actually, yeah. And you're right, I think it's, but it, it's also, I think, taking some kind of a, uh, power away from, say, production companies, yeah. uh, who won't let me saying this, but, you know, but it's given greater independence to the, to the indie uh, film mm-hmm. industry. That you can do it yourself. You can, you know, you can be at home. You can edit. Uh, as I, do, I have a home office here, so I can. I, which I did edit uh, a film, uh, my documentary One Billion. I did all the editing on my computer here at home. I yeah. did the, um, I did the, the music here. There's any sound effects, uh, the color grading. I did it all here. You know. God you know, bless him. Forty five minutes into the show, he managed to mention the film. He managed to mention. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had to come on. You know, I need to plug my films. You well, know. It's okay, George. Edit that bit out. Don't worry. Yeah, okay. I've, I've got the same gear just here as well. I've got my my edit suite and Premiere, and yeah, I do all the same stuff. I also, I also, um, I think you were going to ask me about my. No, film, we weren't. Which <laughs> yes, was, we were. <laughs> which was on. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime uh, Video. It's on Fest Home TV streaming, and it's yeah. on. Um, uh, Sophie TV is streaming at one billion as well. Oh, wow. Watch all that, you know. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, I'm no shame at all. So I'm just going to plug my stuff while I'm here. So I said, won't be there. Don't worry. Plug away. No, we're there. taking it out. <laughs> but I think, I think, I think it's interesting. How, how? I mean, if you if you're making your next film and you were trying to get it onto Amazon, how difficult would that be at this point? Because it, it seems as though Amazon and Netflix is becoming a harder platform to get your stuff onto. Yeah, I found that from uh, from my experience. 
happening right now because there's a project that I'm, I'm very careful how I say this. There's a project that I'm, I'm writing that I'm developing based on a very, very, very famous movie that no one's ever made, I think, a series from. And it's begging for it. And so the backstory, <laughs> the side story, the back characters, the, the yeah. side bits. <laughs> it's, I would say, you know, the, the, again, it's an American uh, phrase you hear a lot. It's a reimagining of, of a story. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a story that was told in, say, 90 minutes uh, many years ago. Uh, and I've taken that, the essence of what that's about, and made it into a series. So I need to then take it now, once I've, I've almost finished the first episode, and once I have the other episodes all mapped out and so on, then where do I go there? I have to bring it then to the likes of the Amazons or like Netflix or whatever. And the problem is that uh, I would have to have uh, a reputable producer, agent, somebody- We better more. go then leave now, we're all finished. <laughs> <laughs> we're all finished. That's, that's, our, that's our signal to leave the room. No, actually, no, I'm going to stop you, Dave. The strange thing is, we'll change the wording. It's not a problem, it's an opportunity. We're going to change the wording again. You don't need a reputable one, because they're feckle use. You want the brown bag one. You want the one that gets shit done, that opens doors and gets just kicks them down. Because yeah. if, if they're semi, you know, clean and too... Actually, it's like uh, Just Call Saul. You know you're going to get it done at the right price. Yeah. Yeah. True. No, you're right. You're dead right. That's very true. And I think it's a case of getting the right person who's going, who has access to yeah. getting that door open. Now, access all areas. Yeah. I don't, I'm not near that door, right? Yeah. But there's, so I need that person, uh, him or her, to basically open that door and bring my project in, you know, and bring yeah. me in with this project. Um, so that's going to be my next challenge once I finish. Mm -hmm. Do you know? No, this is a weird thing. That's what we were talking with Nafa people. Yeah. Nafa people were staying in silos and they were going, That's not my problem. That's someone else. It's another one of our shows, SEP, someone else's problem. Go, It's not someone yeah. else's problem. You can do all your work, invest all your time, invest all your energy, use up all your resources, and some other bloke may or may not open the door. And yeah. if he doesn't open the door, you're going, You're at nothing. If you're saying the power is with them. So we've actually got to pull. The old, we're, you're empowering that person because they have nothing to bring in through the door had you not given them it. So we can actually take that power away now and go, you can sing your own song. The tech is there. Actually, you're building the backstory and, and all the opportunities. That's what we we're saying about the story. The story is the opportunity for the actor, for the line, for the, for the crew, for the cast, for the, for the actual consumer, end consumer to enjoy the entertainment or the information. You've got it all. You can write that, that story. And then it's your team. You, you don't give it away and go, well, you can have half or dragon's den open on the damn door you have nothing without you if you know you have the value so we've actually got to take the power back we've got to realize the value of what you have we've got to package it so it can actually be seen and heard from where you're standing using what you have as opposed to let the mountain come to muhammad let the field of dreams be here that's what we were saying the last show we're saying you've got the field of dreams you've got the key to it Fuck everyone else they can queue up outside and get in and pay an entry on the way in you don't need to ask someone else's permission to give, to value your value. We just have to, that's the game where, that's the journey that we're now on. We're going, value ourselves, value, you, know, you already know you have the value because you've got awards. You know, we know we can write the, we can write the technique. We just need to package ourselves better to be seen and heard by who can empower it to happen. Is, it, is there anything we can gain from the likes of the social media people who you see all these new technologies that have taken yeah. off? Yeah, and they are, they're literally doing it. They're and not so asking permission. People. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're, and they're just going flying off. Is there anything, are there any examples that we could follow that they're giving us that, that we could replicate in the film industry? Yeah, I'm sure there is, but I just I'm not, I know I'm kind of going a little bit off here with, with the with the pointer. That's you know. where off road, four wheel yeah, drive. Off road, four wheel drive. Yeah, <laughs> but I do find one of the problems that I, I experience. And I don't want to sound like a bit of a downer here, but one of the problems that I have say in the in the industry is that when you're doing, it's like a, a one man band initially, right? So yeah. film work is about teams, it's collaboration and so on. Certainly when you're on a set and before even pre production, it's very much yeah. team orientated. Uh, but before that, when you're me, 
coming up with the ideas, writing the story, developing it, and then you're finding other people. Um, the problem is that you you can't do it all, and you you yeah. try to, but th- things sometimes are a bit loaded against you because you're you're so busy writing, you're trying to produce, you're trying to get the money for this particular project. Yeah. Um, you can't. It's very difficult in the branding of yourself. Yeah. How to brand it because that's another job that you must be able to do with brand and uh, promote yourself, be seen uh, out there in public, um, marketing and so on of your films. There's a lot of different aspects of the film industry that people don't realize that you yeah. have to be able to do in able mm. to be successful. And yet that is it's extremely difficult. So sometimes, as you say, you should be able to take the power back from the guy who can get in the door and you should be able to go in the door, you know. But there are people who are gatekeepers who are preventing yeah. that. Well, now I'm going to jump in there because that's the word, weird word, I. If we can turn the I to a we, as we. you said, you hit the magic word, the team, the dream team. It yeah. doesn't need to be a big team. It just needs to have a few of the bits. If, you, if you're aligned and your visions are aligned, you're saying before you could be writing the uncommissioned script because you know you can use your tool set, but no one's asked for it. No one's willing to pay for it. And we don't know till we find out after we've done it, if we haven't asked or it hasn't been commissioned, whereas we know you can do it. Now we just need to move into the middle a bit more, find a little bit more of the family and go, we don't want to work for the man. We want to work for ourselves. What do we want? We want a Star Trek alternative story. We're aligned. We'll do, we'll do have a few of the fun, more of the functions. And that's where you have the indie production go, where we want, we want to do this. We want to work together. We want to use our skill sets and create the value. We understand there's all these jobs we don't want to do, which is marketing, sales, business development, but we know we'll take that pain to get the game. And that's the, that's exactly where myself and George are in the industry and people were, were realizing they have to step out of the silo. That's what Frederica Murphy was saying in her book. You got to lead from, you have to lead yourself beyond the edge, the edge of the mm. comfort zone. The comfort zone, we're comfortable writing, but not marketing and business development and sales and, and, and all these other things. But we know they have to be done. And if, if we don't sell, the rest was for nothing. Well, we could produce something. We've used our time, but we haven't sold. We haven't earned and, we, and we'll be disempowered next time. So this time, that's what I was saying at the very beginning of the show or in the middle of the show, we're saying, if we've one more chance, one more dance, and we want to make it a good one, then we want to have the dream team. We want to work together. We want to do the best something, and we want to get it out there. We want to, and we want, and you've touched on it. We want to all be sitting there, five or six yeah. of us, dressed up in you know in, in hoodies and balaclavas, and giggling away to ourselves that the bunch around us are paying ten quid ahead and laughing their heads off, or being scared shitless, whichever it is. Don't know if it's a horror comedy or or they're, they're crying their eyes out for the romantic whatever it is. But the thing is, we want to create something that other people enjoy and they'll get to see. And that's the common dream thread now. And I think we're all on that journey. We recognize our talents. We need the eye. There can be no more eyes. They got to become ways to hedge the bet going forward. Yeah. And I think just to say, don't let me forget it, because I want to mention uh, film festivals as well, right? How important they are um, for, for the independent uh, industry. Film industry, but no, you're right. It's a, the dream team is uh, could be one other person. Is uh, rightly as you said, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, know, I'm firing George. It's me. We're off out of here after this. We go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a dream dream team of one at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. and R two D two and Doctor Who. And they're <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of robots. There's a, there's a common team going Actually, on there. Let, let's just get something straight here. Uh, Garvin keeps saying in the shows that uh, he'll fire me. Actually, I could fire him. What about that, no, George? What I'm never that, in Gavin? my own fantasy realm. This is my personal universe. You're a thing with my imagination. <laughs> That's it. We just we don't exist. We're not here. Yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> I think there's some famous film out there back in the seventies or something. Some guy is actually on a hospital trolley and he's plugged in and he's deep coma. And the entire universe is his, it's him dreaming. And when, Actually, that sounds like a Philip it. K. Dick story. That's yeah, a Philip K. Dick be. story. <laughs> I think it's called Vallis or something like that. Vallis uh, yeah. or it's not a scanner darkly. Uh, no, no, the divine invasion. The divine invasion. So That's Dave the story off, of the divine invasion. <laughs> you're off to do the festival run next, is it? No, well, the thing is, oh, yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for that. Yeah, so the festivals is basically, uh, you know, you're talking about awards and all the rest of it. And while a lot of people can argue, right, and I think rightly so, that, you know, 
um, you know, we shouldn't be all getting awards or giving awards to each other type of thing for, you know, um, and no one better person should be better than the other and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot to Except me and you, because you've got number one, two, three, <laughs> packed and racked to the background. Yeah. I can say that because I have them all. You came fourth, <laughs> I've got silver, gold and bronze. <laughs> well, yeah, except for us three here, I suppose, you know. That's it. Um, but the film festivals are, are just are wonderful for showcasing your talent, you know? And I think if you're, if you're making a film, even if you're doing a low budget, you know, or zero budget film, and you're doing it with your friends and you're doing it at home and you've got a really crappy little camera or whatever it is, or your phone or whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, film festivals are, are, are so important to, because you're networking with other filmmakers and producers and all the different people. Mm-hmm. Your, your yes. film is up on a screen, even if it's a, you know, a six by six by five or whatever it is screen in a hotel room, it's, it's on a screen, it's uh, with an audience. Um, and it gives you a great boost of confidence if your film is selected to be showcased. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, and I just see, think that the whole film festivals are so important in the independent film industry. Uh, and I am so grateful to, to the the awards that I received and the, the the acknowledgements that I received from them. Certainly, they always are wonderful. But at the very very beginning, when the first film went in and the first official selection. Uh, you know, that was a huge. I felt like I, I won the Oscar. You know, mm. I thought I was an honor. Yeah. It was the, my confidence went from here to here. You know, um, and I, I just see that the uh, there is so an important aspect, but you don't really hear about that when people talk about working in the film industry. We hear about the DOP, and we hear about the first AD, and the we hear, you know the, the, the all the different aspects of the film crews and so on. But you don't actually hear about the value. It's another aspect of the team of this group that you do need uh, when your film is done. Where does it go? You know, and it's not just going to go out to Omniplex or the Odeon. You know, sometimes it will go to the local uh, or the nearest uh, film festival that's uh, close to you uh, and screen for an audience. And that's a wonderful experience, even just to hear the feedback and the reactions and so on. So I just wanted to mention it because I think it's an important aspect that's never really included when people talk about. What, what it is and what I'm glad you said that now George cut that out as well for God's sake <laughs> no I'm going to keep that in no I've actually no I a couple of my films have been put into things and uh, uh, one of them was the Cork Film Festival short film festival and another one was uh, a broadcasting thing that uh, uh, my film won an award for as well so um, that, that was it is it's, it gives you those kind of boosts but and, and it but it, especially when you spent maybe four or five years trying to get a film up and ready and finished and out and you know you, you need something to if you're not going to get any money back from it you need something for all that effort you've got in but it and the other thing is that i know that in america the americans specifically focus on how many awards have you won and if you've not won the awards you're not going to be chosen as a filmmaker because although you can demonstrate you've got all these films they're, they're not interested in that. They, they'll take someone that's just new with an award and actually give them the job over someone with 30 years experience, constantly yeah. turning out movies, and but they, they, they've not won awards, so they, they don't want to give them that work. Now, if we're talking the accountant language, the business language, you have the permission now for the investors. They're going, you've done something yeah. fast. You got an award. Yeah. You produced something with an award. You did it again. You consistently did it. So that is now removing, we talked this language, the risk, the risk perception of reward, risk reward belief perception for investors for to invest in the bigger feature or to let you be more mm. producer, director, and writer yeah. or to take on the bigger roles or get an A-lister with a bit of budget. That, that you've got, that's really what's been, you, you have the CV for that, you're going, I've done it, done a lot of times. Every time I do it, I can do this. There is the proof. And that's the proof they wanted. They also wanted the A-list, their actor draw. They were, well, that actor always draws X number of viewers. So they want to match those two and go, this is a better hedge bet that if we spend 5 million on it or 10 million on it, we should get our money back. Or we have a better chance of getting it on the streamers. And so it's all about that business language as well. You touched on, you've done it. You can plug yourself into those other teams. And that's what you're doing. They want you, the production houses want, need you more because they're a functional something in the main. They can plug in service of delivery. We can deliver shot. We can deliver camera catch sound, but they've got to wrap that around the the, the story that that is winning the awards of and the actors presenting that. So I, I'm, look, I'm the biggest newbie on the planet. I am a virgin in this whole industry. I've not got a, 
got a like a like I'm actually like your man out of Red Dwarf with the BSC. I've got my my my, my swimming certificate. You know that that's why I have. I haven't got my degree. I haven't got my award from any festival. I hope I, I George will say it. We aspire that when we do something, it'll be good. And the reformation will be that they say, that was a bloody good job, well done. And a lot of people enjoyed watching it. They're my two goals in life now, that I do something, we, there's a week, because I can't do it on my own. That's there's right. something coming down the line. There's a dream team developing. We're going to work together. We're going to create something that wasn't there before. And the audience is going to love it. And we're going to will it. We're going to win a bronze swimming certificate. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So are you on the journey to your next bronze swimming certificate or do you really care about those anymore? You just want to keep doing the do. Uh, <laughs> I always care about the awards. <laughs> I, say. I knew it. He's got 55 <laughs> certificates stuck to the wall in the bathroom. What, 50, just 55? Come on. <laughs> that's just the room. That's the wall behind you. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. It should be 52, though. <laughs> 42, George. 42. 42, 42, 42, 42, 42, 42, 42 joke as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, 52. That's, that's our goal, 52. That's um, it. <laughs> I think, um, for me, it's uh, the, the festivals are, are wonderful. I love I love doing the festivals. I love the, uh, getting get my stuff into there. Um, I've, um, I've, I don't know when this is going out, but I've three... Never, never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you there and just like delete we're it. ending our career right now. Thank we stopped at hundred. This one, this is the end of it. Two well, weeks time. Well, on that note, good night. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to get a real job, you know. Yeah. That's what we should be That's doing. That's my well. wife keeps on telling me. <laughs> <laughs> a- I have three festivals coming up in November. Um, uh, the Waterford Film Festival uh, is doing the documentary. Um, there's the, uh, the the Underground Film Festival in Dunleary. They're doing uh, Aretha, the drama. Uh, it, it was nominated. Uh, there's two nominations for that film. Uh, one for me is Rising Star Award. And the other is for um, Best Supporting Actress for Denise McCormack, who is a brilliant actress. Um, she's in the Irish film uh, Deadly Cuts, which is uh, in cinemas at the moment. Um, so uh, the third one is in Brussels, in Belgium. Um, and that's the that's the documentary one billion, and that's uh, it's, it's got French subtitles and everything on that one. So that's uh, happening. All of the freedom in in, a, in one month. So I, my my thing is to keep the film festivals going and um, and to reach as many people as possible with the work. But what what I do, what I do love about attending them is the is the see I, I'm looking at films that may never see the light of day, but people's you know blood, sweat, and tears. Went into it. this thing, yeah. and it's a, it's a work of art, regardless of what people value. Say, oh, it's a bit of a shit film or whatever. I, it's a work of art. People have had sleepless nights, you know, putting this thing together. They created from a thought in, in their head, you know, from yeah. one thought in their head to a finished product. And a lot of people don't realize if you're not a filmmaker or a, or in the media, uh, don't realize the the process of yeah. the thought in the head to the screen. You know, it's it's a vast as many and. Uh, so I love going to the festivals to see that, to see the, I mean, I did see, I'm not going to name uh, a name, but I did, was at a festival and I saw a film that was about turf and it was a bit too long, but it was somebody's blood, sweat and tears went into it. It was probably yeah. one of the most boring films I've ever seen, but they were clever in the, how they shot it. They did have a good story. I think they, they dragged it out a bit too long, that, which is a danger in some in yeah. short films in particular is, or any film, it's knowing in your story when to stop, you know, there's a point you need to stop. Well, the strange Uh, thing is there, Dave, you've got the viral capability in the sense of, it was, it won the award in accolades for most boring film about a piece of turf ever seen. And actually, the billion people in YouTube that went off to see what is now the most boring film on the planet, it actually achieved what it needed to achieve. You actually, yeah. a man was taking the holy piss. He's going, what piece of, if I pick up a piece of twig here or turf, we'll stretch it for 90 minutes. We'll do a lot of flat, like, you know, cinematography around this and go, and we'll put it out there for a laugh. You could just, and they'll probably get more bloody customers than, 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 <laughs> yeah. than the, 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 the A-list, you know, well, sort of bunch. You know. <laughs> unfortunately, at this particular point in time, we have to know when to finish as well. 
because oh, no. we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes at this particular time. Five hours left. Come on. Yeah. An ever ending no, story didn't even get story. to start. That's it. No, no, this is the we 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 have to we have to finish somewhere. This is where we're going to Before the tech gives up. Before the tech gives up and wife comes in and tells me, "George, it's dinner time. Come on, get out of here, you know." <laughs> and the men want to start work again and they've they've stopped working because you're doing your show. Oh, all right, okay. Um, no, so we have had a great great hour and a, and a bit uh talking about things like uh Star Wars. No, actually, started off with Star Trek. We we barely got to Star Wars. We did talk about Doctor Who quite a bit, and Davros. I think it was as the character, not Stavros, who was from Kojak. And then we got all into some of the kind of a little bit into the kind of writing ideas of of how we construct characters and some of the problems with current films that are going on at the moment. And there it led into eventually into the film festivals, which I think are, are one of the important areas that we do need to get awards for because sometimes the gatekeepers won't let us in unless we show those little dangly things. It's a bit like the, 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 you know, the vaccination things that you have to show these days. You're not allowed into this restaurant unless you show this thing here, mate, you know? <laughs> and I think that's where it's kind of going. So at this particular point in time, are there any last words you'd like to say there, Dave, just before we end the show? <laughs> well, you know what? I thought was going to be very painful, the whole experience, and I was right so thank you, thank you both for that. I'm off now to get an anesthetic and uh, a copy, and not vaccination. Well, if that means no, no. I don't have to do it again, yeah. No, no. It's Any okay. Last words we can there, super, We can we can replace. Actually, we if you could, George, we could overlay Dave with Davros. Put him in his little segue because he's going to need it on the festival route because he's yes. up and down like a bloody yo-yo collecting goddamn awards. Every time he sits back at the table, they call his name again. You gotta go. He, he does. He might as well be have a waiter's, you know, drink, giving out the drinks. Yes, at the same that's time. it. That's you know, it. They're more precious than the awards. Thank God and everybody for this particular. Uh... Yes. Yeah. No, actually, what we, we forgot to mention was all the spaceships that we love seeing. So you yeah, must watch this that. episode. This is a visual medium. You have to watch all the special effects that were going on, especially the TARDIS. That's one to explore later on in our show. Anyway, folks, thanks for watching. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.